What's going on, everyone? Seth here. Thank you so much for checking out this very special episode of Somos Moss. In this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to New Mexico United President and CEO Peter Trevisani about the press conference from last week where the club announced a $32.5 million investment in the stadium should the bond pass in November. There's a lot to take away from this episode, a lot of really good talking points. And if you're like us here on the show and you support the stadium bond, take what you hear and pass along to some folks who may not have all the correct information. Help them understand what exactly is going on in this bond and what their money is being used for, how much the club is investing, and just what some of the benefits there could be from having this stadium. Sit back and enjoy. We picked up some more points against the uh, RGV, which we which we desperately need. So. Hey man, you're gonna be up at the press box tonight. Yes, yes, I will. Great. Awesome, awesome. It's always good to be up there. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy being out there, and you know, I've always appreciated the, the access that you guys allow us to, to have, and and so uh, yeah. you know, even us doing this, you know, as part of the podcast and stuff, like it's really cool that you know the access that we can get and talk to you guys and and the players and stuff. So. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me on a very special episode of Somos Mas. Uh, my name, of course, is Seth Binoff. And if you're joining us on YouTube, where this will go live later in the week, or if you're listening to the podcast, I have a very special guest with us here today. We have owner-CEO of New Mexico United, Peter Trevisani. Peter, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and talking to us. Uh, the club had some big news last week, and and uh, glad we get the opportunity to, to talk to you about it. And so thank you for being here today. Thanks, Seth. Really happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it's exciting times. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, we, we've been talking about the bond off and on the podcast and you've been talking about it in the media. And we, we talked to you a few weeks, about a month and a half ago after one of the matches about it. And so last week, the club announced a $32.5 million investment, including $10 million up front towards the construction costs of the new stadium should the bond be passed and put out a letter of intent. Um, Prior to this, there was a lot of reaction from the community, you know, questioning how much the club is going to invest into it and saying, oh, this is just a, an opportunity to, ride, to to line another rich guy's pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's been the reaction like to the, the announcement from last week? And what's your reaction to folks reacting the way they, what the, that they did, you know, and, and thinking that it was just to, you know, line your pockets? Yeah, I mean, I think the reaction uh, was was positive. Um, people have been waiting for that. I think it's something we would have liked to have been able to come forward with a little bit earlier. But um, you know, it's a, it's a public bond, and um, and so the timing you know happened when it happened. Uh, what I would just say is, you know, I understand people people can be skeptical. Um, you know, you know, there's been times where uh, things haven't gone as planned, whether that's in Albuquerque at the city level or in, in other areas. So I don't, I don't ever fault anyone for being, you know, skeptical or, you know, not just saying, you know, taking your, your word for it. Um, I think we're trying to follow through and are following through on everything we've said from the beginning, that this isn't about soccer. This isn't about a for-profit business. This is about being a steward of the community and doing our best to, to create positive outcomes and maximizing outcomes, not profits. And so, you know, the frustrating thing, I, I think if there was a frustration, it's just simply this, is that so many times in these stadium deals, 
the problem is, is that the city is subsidizing a private company in a stadium. And then this, the, the team owns the stadium. They don't pay rent. And all they did was get, you know, this public handout. I think that's what a lot of people take exception with. And this is really a 180. You know, this is a public facility that a private company is actually subsidizing, which almost never happens. Um, and we're doing it because it's the right thing to do to try to grow our, our city. And New Mexico United as a primary tenant absolutely can gain from that in the sense of we instead of, you know, having to, you know, we can we can control our programming. We can control some of the in-game experience, the food, um, so forth. So we, we definitely have things to gain. But I think ultimately what we're saying is we want to give back as much as we can. And putting thirty two and a half million dollars into a public stadium is a huge, a huge signal. You talked about some of the difficulties, you know, controlling the, the programming and things like that. And that's been one of the difficulties through the first, you know, well, two seasons really that we've been able to play at the lab, you know, playing around the, the isotope schedule and then having, um, I, I would say, you know, fewer than probably, probably uh, wanted opportunities to play over at UNM. Um, can you talk some more about that? And then some of the other issues that might've arisen, you know, when looking at alternative sites, you know, some places that have been suggested, you know, uh, they're, the Descenda family uh, stadium out, out on the West side or playing at UNM or, you know, dream style stadium. Can you speak to those in terms of why those aren't viable options? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for sure. Um, we're really grateful that the isotopes in the city made isotopes park available to United without that. We never would have brought the team forward. We just wouldn't have had the type of facility that we need for professional soccer. Um, and, but we did, and we've been really happy uh, at Isotopes, I think everybody understands there's a baseball team that plays there 70 times a year. There's a lot of money that goes into and work just to try to convert the field between soccer and, and baseball. Um, and then in that area, you have all of UNM's programming, football, women's soccer, basketball, bull riding, all kinds of other events. And so it is extremely difficult uh, to have a New Mexico United game and another UNM event at the same time, right? We're not, we just can't schedule those. So, so often we have to get up, you know, we end up with Tuesday night games because that's the only day we can play. And if that's what we needed to do to get the team started, that that's fine. But, you know, for example, but more and more, um, those other, those facilities want to have other programming too, right? The ice steps want to do concerts. UNM wants to host more events. And so there's just a bigger and bigger squeeze. Uh, and, we want to, and Mexico United also wants to do more. We want to have international friendlies. We want to have a women's team. Uh, we want to, you know, have our academy playing. And so there is just no room. You know, I guess the way to look at it on a positive light is that the city has grown and our programming has grown and our teams have grown. And so we, as many cities do, we just need to expand our facilities to accommodate that growth. That's a positive. That's not a negative. That's a great thing that's happening is that Albuquerque's growing. The demand is super strong. And, you know, and what cities do is they expand their facilities to accommodate the growth. So I think we should look at it like a win. One of the other arguments that has come out against the stadium is that there have been numerous studies done in the past regarding the financial impact of of sports arenas being brought into, into different areas. You know, I grew up in Atlanta and I've seen multiple different stadiums go up in my lifetime. And, you know, I'll be honest, I've never seen an ownership group be as invested in the community as, as the United ownership group with, you know, uh, just through the club and the almost a news foundation. And, and so when people start talking about these financial impact studies and what they do, 
looking at what you've brought up so far, you know, you want to revitalize the area, you want to bring in local businesses. Uh, this is going to generate, I believe the, the LOI said, or the press conference said, uh, 780 new jobs uh, in the area. Um, when people start talking about that, like, how do you respond and how do you, how do you tell them, you know, there is going to be a positive financial impact from this? I would just say it's so easy just to paint with the broad brush and say stadium deals don't work for cities. And you know what? In a lot of cities, a lot of stadium stadium deals haven't worked. Um, but rather than trying to focus on what happened in Detroit or Cleveland or some other place with a football stadium where you play eight games a year, I would say let's understand that uh, because they don't work in a lot of cities, we have to be super diligent on our particular deal, our particular partnership, and look at the specifics of what we're doing here, because that's what's important. And if you want to see a stadium deal that worked, that was positive, and there's not a single person, I think, that would say we shouldn't have done that, look at Isotopes Park, publicly funded stadium, Isotopes are the primary tenant. And, you know, United plays there as well. It's not that United would be the only one playing in this new facility. And that bond got paid off early and continues to pay dividends to the city that the city can then turn around and put into public fund, the public fund for to fight, you know, homelessness or crime or other needs. And so this particular deal should just be looked at on its own merit. And when you look at it on its own merit, it doesn't have all those problems that some of that that these deals have that other people want to talk about. And so when, when United comes in and we put $10 million up front before any shovel goes in the dirt, that's big for the city. That means they have a burden in the hand of 10 million. You know, when we're going to contribute another 22 and a half million in rent and other revenue shares that helps pay down the bond big time and really reduces the risk for the city. And then there, then there's those 780 jobs, and then there's all the revenue and GRT and the economic development around the stadium. I mean, you don't have to be an economist to understand that if if you have a stadium and there's a pub two blocks away, it's going to be full before and after the game, and it's going to be incremental. It's not going to be. It's going to be from people from outside the city, outside the state. Um, that's just going to be good. It can't be bad. And, and frankly, we're full of small businesses, minority owned businesses. We have to support them and we need to come up with, with things that, that can support those businesses. And this is one of them. You talked about repaying the bond and you, we've, we've talked a lot and you've mentioned a lot, you know, the isotopes bond and, and their lease deal with the city. And, and during the city council meeting where the, the bond was approved to go on the ballot in November, uh, I believe it was Mr. Rael talked a lot about how that lease uh, agreement was structured. And I don't know if you can speak too much on it, but uh, in, in that deal, you know, the city is getting a portion of all sales generated with inside the stadium. Um, is that something that's a consideration here as well uh, to help pay back that bond early? Or is that something that's off the table right now? No, I, mean, I think everything's always on the table. Um, we needed to come up with a binding letter of agreement that showed the minimum amount. So the city and that the people of the city knew that United was in for at a minimum. And at a minimum, it's 32 and a half million. So I don't talk about it growing to 40 million or 50 million or 60 million because that's aspirational. And I hope that happens. But it's 32 and a half million uh, that comes to the city and, and it's done in a way that we think uh, not only puts money up front, but it also gives 900,000 a year minimum back to the city every year. That means that basically a third of the bond payment that the city needs to make. It's about $3 million a year. 
um, would, or, would be about $3 million a year. A third of it's covered right there, right off the bat. Um, and that doesn't take into any account of the GRT tax that comes from all the sales that happen inside and outside the stadium and all the jobs and other things that we've talked about. So, you know, we're open to making it work um, in the best way possible for the city uh, and also in a way that wants, you know, wants to promote uh, the facility so that it's that it's uh, open every single day and is a real asset uh, to the city, not just a park that the lights come on for 20 nights a year. You talked about United, not necessarily United would be the the primary tenant, but they wouldn't necessarily be the only club playing there. You know, we, we saw the turnout for the Cardiff match two years ago. And that was absolutely fantastic. And, and I know that, you know, as a fan and as, as media, like I would love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked about bringing in a women's professional team. Uh, you've made no secret that uh, NWSL has been mentioned and quite a few interviews that you've done. And, and now the USL has announced the the super league. Mm-hmm. And so, can you talk to us a little bit about those discussions and, and what goes into the planning of, of actually creating a team? Absolutely. I mean, it was really, it's really important for us. And it was really important that that was included in the, 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 the letter of agreement that within three years of opening the stadium, we have an obligation, not an option, but an obligation to bring a professional women's team. And New Mexico United is so thrilled that there is that obligation. Um, and so I'd like to do it even sooner, but I think we wanted to create a little bit of, of time just because we don't know what the landscape will be. Uh, we don't know what year the stadium's going to be done and, and other things like that. You know, bringing a team in, you have to think about a couple things. One, um, in this case, you know, you have two leagues. You have the NWSL, which is the Division One, and then the Super League, which is Division Two. I think the good news is we have a few years to see how those leagues grow and develop. I think that we could have a professional team in either one of those leagues that would be amazing to watch. We bring super talented women into uh, as our players, um, ideally many of our staff members as well, and would be out in our community working with our with our kids, um, you know, providing those role models. I think that we can talk about equality, but if we if we can't provide equality with the women's team, then we're not really backing it up. And so United wants to do our part. Uh, we just don't have a facility that we can do that in right now. Uh, and um, and again, that's a good thing. We we need more facilities so that we can we can grow out our programming as for the entire city, not just for United. Along those lines, uh, the club recently brought in uh, Coach Heather from UNM uh, to be part of the technical staff. And and um, you know, Troy talked about talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago. Uh, what were those discussions like with Heather bringing her on board? And we saw in the video with, with Amondo just, you know, praising her, her, her input already. And, mm-hmm. and uh, what kind of, what kind of uh, uplifting does that uplift does that bring to the club? You know, having someone who's known in the community, like, like, like coach Heather is. We have so many talented people in New Mexico that just oftentimes don't get the recognition they deserve because New Mexico gets overlooked by so many, so many outsiders. And we need to change that. Um, and when you look at Heather, she is an amazing coach. She's not an amazing women's coach. She's not an amazing college coach. She's just an amazing coach. And we were so thrilled that we're able to have her as an advisor uh, with our team, with our first team, with our academy, um, while she's also and continues to be and her main priority is being the head coach of the uh, women's team at, at uh, women's soccer team at UNM. And so when you bring in 
someone like Heather into the locker room of a men's professional team. And when her words resonate, resonate in a way that you just mentioned with the Mondo, by the way, I've heard Josh Suggs talk about it. I've heard other players talk about it, that when she spoke to the team and, you know, about, Hey, when you go down a goal and that's don't get quiet, you know, you don't have to retreat. You can not, you know, just keep playing your game that really stuck. And we saw that actually translate onto the field for multiple games um, and hopefully continues this year. And so when you see Amando speak, Josh uh, Sugg speak, other players speak, they're speaking from the heart and, uh, and we're just thrilled to have her and, and uh, that, that, and we're definitely um, already having success on and off the field because of her. And I don't know if this, if you can talk is uh, with the talk of a women's club, potentially, you know, Brink coming here is coach Heather on the short list. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a, a t- uh, Coach Heather's on the short list of every coaching list we have. So, um, um, and we're thrilled that she she's working with the team. And, um, you know, my goodness, if we had an NWSL team, of course, we'd want to talk to her uh, and and get her input on how to bring a team here. And, and, and um, you know, so we're, we're still a few years away from that. And I know she needs to go win a, an NCAA tournament with the, uh, with the Lobos. So, um, I mean, you know, I think I think I think all NWSL teams should be looking at her uh, that the ones that exist now and, and ones in the future. During the press conference last week, uh, the I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, the the president of the Hispano Chamber of Commerce came out and, and endorsed the, pro- the stadium project. And and in the infographic that's been floating around, you know, um, there it says that there has been support from the burlesque community. Um and the club has been doing the community outreach, the Zoom meetings and things like that. And I've been on a couple of them. And unfortunately, the times I've been on and, you know, and I don't necessarily want this to sound like a bad thing, but the folks that have been on have been pro stadium. There mm-hmm. hasn't really been much of an anti-stadium uh, presence at, at these types of events. What is the club continuing to do here now with just over a month until the vote in order to get out and reach out to the communities and to try to you know get more folks in favor of that bond in November? Well, come shadow me for a day, Seth. We'll find you plenty of, of okay. negative. Uh, <laughs> it's it's there, there's been a robust conversation on both sides, and um, and I think at the end of the day, our job as a club, our obligation uh, in our in our community is just to try to put forward the truth about the issue. About we we know the the bond isn't perfect. We know the 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 structure isn't perfect for everyone. We understand that. It's a scary time right now for many people, crime, homelessness, the economy, COVID, right? There's a lot of tension in the air. So we, we, we respect that there are people who don't believe it's the time to vote yes in the stadium. And if we're able to at least express what the, the, the facts are and people want to vote no, then we have complete respect for them. And, and we know that, you know, we're excited to welcome them back, welcome into our games. Okay. So at the same time, we also know there's some people who just don't either have all the facts or some of the things they've heard just aren't true. Um, you know, the stadium doesn't raise taxes. That's just not true. The stadium is not Peter's stadium. It's the city stadium. It's the people's stadium. And in fact, we're going to help subsidize it so we can get it built because the city wouldn't have enough mon- money to build it on its own. And, and, uh, and I think that, you know, when you look at some of the things we're trying to do beyond just the dollars and cents, you know, we've contractually obligated to trying to use all farmers and vendors from New Mexico. Yeah. So we're not importing cheeseburgers from, from, you know, from some other state. 
uh, and where we're, you know, New Mexicans are, are providing healthy food for fellow New Mexicans. You know, with a lot of that, a lot of the vendors are small businesses. They're minority owned businesses. And if we don't support them with with jobs, with money, with business, they're going to go away. And we we want to do our part. The stadium isn't going to save the city. Nobody ever said that, but it could be a one of the things that is a catalyst of positive change as we continue to progress and be the best version of ourselves. And that's all we're saying. But if you can attach that to the art, you know, the, the art trail um, that's being uh, proposed, the three mile loop, uh, you know, you look at things like First Friday art walks and the vibrancy and energy kids in, on Central chalking uh, the, the street. That's beautiful. That's community. And that's supposed to be in a very dangerous neighborhood that doesn't feel dangerous on a Friday night because there's so many people walking around with good intentions. So we want to be a part of that positive change and continue the momentum. Can you kind of do something about central Louisiana, that area? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I mean, we have problems. The city's dangerous. It is. Um, but we, we can't let crime, you know, steal our hopes and dreams. We can't let crime keep us from trying to progress. And we put an economic package with jobs, with $32.5 million with, you know, a promise, a contractual promise to use local vendors to bring a women's team here, real agents of change. And we can't be a hostage to our problems. Um, we have to address our problems, but we also create those amenities that are going to be a catalyst for change. You know, on the podcast, we've kind of speculated a little bit what happens if the bond doesn't pass, it's not something that we want to think about, you know, as media and as fans of the club. And I'm sure it's not something that, that you want to think about. You know, we've seen clubs like Reno and Fresno uh, not be able to get funding for stadiums or, or get, you know, uh, land agreements for stadiums. And they've unfortunately, they, they've had to fold. Um, has the club put any thought into, into what happens, you know, if the bond doesn't pass, like, are there, uh, you know, we've speculated, you know, possibly Los Lunas area or Santa Fe or something like that, or, you know, we would love to see the club stay no matter what, you know, and not, you know, leave the state or anything of like that. But has, has that crossed your mind at all? And do you have any sort of contingencies in place? I guess I just say this, you know, what New Mexican has never heard the word no, you know, or has run into some kind of uh, failure or roadblock or has had to, um, you know, start again. And, you know, New Mexico United is, is just like any other business here, any other community endeavor here. We're going we're gonna to have roadblocks. And if, if it's a no, um, then that is what it is. And then we're going to come out back to work on November 3rd. We're going to keep pushing forward. New Mexico United is not going anywhere. We're not going to another city. You know, this is my home. And it's the home of anyone who's invested in, in this team, uh, both financially and emotionally. And so we're going to figure it out. And if it's a no, then we'll go look for another way. Um, and uh, we believe that this deal that's been laid out, this agreement with the city is a super strong deal for the city. It's a super strong deal for United and for all of us. It's a win-win. It really is. Um, if we have to go another path, we'll do that. Um, you know, we may end up with something less. Uh, than what it could have been, but it doesn't mean that it won't be phenomenal or great. We'll just have to go address it and uh, figure it out. Stadiums, 97% of stadiums are public-private partnerships. 
Like I said, in most cases, when you look at Louisville or Colorado Springs, USL teams that have recently built 40 and $75 million stadiums, respectively, the club has put money in, actually more, the majority of the money, and the city has come in with between 15 and $30 million. But at the end of that, the club owns the facility 100%. They don't pay any rent. They don't share any revenue. They keep it all. In this case, it's the polar opposite. The city's the lead investor. United's putting money in, and the city owns it. And uh, and and when our lease is up, the city doesn't have to renew with us, and we don't own any of the stadium. Um, and we're willing to take that risk because it's the right thing to do for our city. I got one more question for you today, and just uh, this wasn't on my list of things to to start to question or to talk about to begin with. A few hours ago, the USL and the USL uh, PA announced a collective bargaining agreement, or at least the structure of a collective bargaining agreement for USL championship, uh, giving you know, minimum player salaries over the next five years. Um, can you speak to how this, uh, you know, is this something, how does this affect New Mexico United? How does this affect the league and how does this affect the players? I love the CBA, you know, it's about time. And, you know, and what it really shows is how strong the USL championship uh, has become and grown over the last few years. You know, when you look at the USL going back 10 years um, or so, eight years, uh, there were some really fun clubs, but it was really sort of a, a hobby for a lot of owners. You know, it was sort of, hey, you get a team, you know, you throw some guys out there, you put, you know, you get some fun uniforms. Um, and it's really grown. And so a lot of the original owners no longer own teams because there's new owners that have higher aspirations and and want to grow. And, and you don't grow a league if you're not treating your your all your employees, including your players, at at a at, with a degree of respect that's that's earned. And so you know, making sure that every player is getting at a minimum minimum wage, um, that's that's critical. And and um, you know, making sure that that these players are taken care of with health care, making sure you know, that they have families, they're people. So now it also sends a signal that if you want to start a USL team, if you want to be part of USL championship, you need to expect to pay uh, X amount. And if you if you're really not going to do that, then don't come into this league. And, and so I think the quality of the teams that are left are so much stronger than the ones that were here five years ago. And I'm hoping five years from now I can say the same, that that the teams that are existing are just even a, a step up from where we are today. Uh, that made me think one, one more question with the, the, the amount of expansion that the USL has seen, there's been a lot of talk about pro pro rail within the USL. Uh, Cause that's one of the major sticking points for MLS and USSF. And uh, a lot of folks are like, you know, you, you know, US soccer just needs to change the system. Do you think the USL is on the right track in terms of expansion? And do you think pro rail is a good thing for the USL? I think it's a great thing for the USL. I think uh, you have to take that first step. Um, I also think, though, that if you're going to have promotion and relegation between the championship and USL one, then you also need to figure out, well, what happens to the teams that are at the top of the USL championship? It's a it's a whole picture. It's not just that re relegation game, but you have to take a first step. Um, and look, this is like the stadium, you know, uh, I, I could have been like, well, why would I want promotion relegation? I'm in the championship. I don't have anything to gain. I only have things to lose. Like, what if I, I paid all this money and and I have a stadium and this and that, you know, but you have to be willing to take a risk. You know, one of my favorite quotes is even even a turtle needs to stick its neck out to cross the road. 
And, you know, if we just sit in our shells, if we just protect ourselves and we're so afraid to make any progress, then we, we just won't make any progress and the world will move on around us. So let's have promotion relegation. Let's also figure out ways to get the top teams in the USL championship into the CONCACAF, you know, play in games so that we're playing Trinidad and Tobago or, you know, Panama for, for a chance to, you know, to, to play in, in the CONCACAF league, you know, let's, let's just do it. Let, let's just have this be the step to even more expansion so that, you know, we, you, you know, we, New Mexico United, my goal for our club is to win the world cup, the club world cup, not the, not the country world cup, but the club world cup, which is the best team in the world. And we want to have a path to that. And, uh, and if we don't lose, then we're going to be the bet. We're going to play Liverpool and be the best team in the world. That's how we, that's how we expand our aspirations. That's how we tell the world we, we believe in ourselves um, enough and we deserve it and we've earned it. And we're not going to stop till we get recognition. You can't just brush New Mexico off. We're, we're, we're not just good, but we're going to, we're the best. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here and uh, we will see you out at the lab tonight. Okay, great. Hey, well, for everybody out there, if hopefully, um, you know, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> but uh, this, this, uh, if you need a magnet, if you support the stadium, I will just say this again, total respect for people that learn all the facts and maybe they just feel it's not for them, but for everybody that it is for what I'd ask you is, you know, share your knowledge with people, get people to vote that are interested, uh, get people to vote, period. We have to vote more. Um, and in this election, it's just so critical that you get out to vote. So if you're supportive of the stadium, I promise you, guarantee you, it will not happen if you don't come out and vote for it. We're not going to have enough votes and it's just not going to happen. And we're going to wake up with on the third with with nothing. Um, and I think that would be a real shame. So let's get out the opportunities in front of us. Let's make it happen. All right, Peter. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks.